0: So every project I run at the end of this process, the goal is to make it visual. So like it's one thing to kind of keep track of data in a spreadsheet or something like that. But if, if it's just productivity, right, getting people dispatched on time, you got to You got to quantify that and make it visual. Think about like the St. Jude collection thermometer. They just simply highlight I'm like something as simple as that keeps the momentum and the energy going. And I think that's where the visual support comes in.
1: Hey everyone, welcome back to another great episode of Out of the Hourglass. My name is Molly Nolan. I am your episode host, joined today by Jim Bradley, NCG business coach and my co-creator of the Lean podcast series here at Out of the Hourglass. We kicked off the series back in the fall of 2022 and we're back with episode three, taking a closer look at another process used within the Lean's lens, DMAIC. Yes, that too is another acronym. In our last episode, we worked through the Tim Woods process, one that is used to help us identify forms of waste or flow interrupters in a process. DMAIC is what comes next. Once we have identified the waste or issues with flow, this tool is used to begin to focus on the solution. One of my key takeaways from this conversation everything that we speak about falls into the realm of continuous improvement by looking through the lean's lens we are able to have greater perception in how to continually improve our processes and create greater value add for our customers and our organizations if you're just jumping into the series now you are best served scrolling back to episode 131 lean principles where we introduce the concept Out of the Hourglass is a podcast channel dedicated to helping small business owners and contractors visualize their goals, develop high-performing teams, and build sustainable growth. It's time to get out of the hourglass. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Out of the Hourglass. I'm back here with Jim Bradley, NCG business coach and expert on the lean topic. Jim, how are you?
0: I'm good. Good morning, Molly.
1: Good morning. Jim, I'm excited to continue our Lean series here. This will be our third episode in, you know, introducing Lean um, as, a, as a series and a topic t- to our listeners. So so far, we in episode one, we talked about what lean is, what the actual concept means and where it comes from, and you know, you know, where your experience comes from in, in working with lean. Um, and then we moved into Tim Woods or Tim Wood also becomes Tim Woods um, through the explanation of uh, tools to identify Waste within the lean topic, uh, so we're going to move into the third, another tool um, that's used within within lean thinking um, called DMAIC. Um, like any good concept, like Tim Woods is, it's an acronym, and we'll jump into what all that means. Um, but before we start, and we will we will always say please go back to um, episode one of the the lean series if you've not yet listened. If this is new to you, um, but Jim, give us like a thirty second overview of lean thinking, and then. Tim Woods, so that we can nicely enter into DMAIC.
0: Sure. So the, our first episode was about uh, lean thinking and basically outlined the five basic principles associated with lean thinking. So that was where we talked about identify the value of the product or service, uh, value stream mapping. So mapping out the current state versus the future state, what we would like to see, uh, create and flow. So you're going to hear me always say flow is probably one of the most important aspects. Um, Developing a pull system and pursuing perfection. So in that first episode, I think I talked about like looking through a particular lens Mm -hmm. at challenges and issues. Uh, So then leading into our second episode, we talked about Tim Woods. So a lot of acronyms going on in this world, Uh, but basically outlined the eight forms of waste and where they kind of exist and the process of identifying non-value-added versus value-added. And then now I think we're moving into what tools or frameworks can we use to tackle those problems and address some of the issues that we're facing.
1: Absolutely. And I, I think it's a it's a great lens to be looking through how we tackle problems because I mean we do a whole business is messy series and we talk about just business is messy on a regular basis. Business owners and are are constantly focusing are being brought, you know, operational challenges to them or HR challenges whatever it may be. Business is messy we're always going to have problems and so how we solve those problems is you know lean is one of those lenses at which we can look through how to solve certain problems specifically more so on the operational side of course um so I'm all about the tools that can be used to help clean up the mess right <laughs> where let's so let's help clean up the mess and talk about um DMAIC and so you said to me once you find something that is waste, a.k.a. coming from identifying it through Tim Woods, whether it's a waste in in movement of something, of overproduction, of the transportation of something, this is where you use DMAIC to go in and implement a process to make the change. Correct?
0: Correct. Correct.
1: I feel like I'm in school when I, I'm i being quizzed through these podcasts.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. So the, uh, the acronyms are tough. So like there's the lean world and like the make maybe the, the academic term or more familiar in manufacturing. So okay, there's other ones that are very similar, right? So I think uh, probably most popular is PDCA, right? Plan, Do, Check, and Act. Mm. um In my experience, I've seen that that acronym acronym most utilized in the healthcare industry. Uh, so they they kind of embrace that in my FedEx world, it was able, uh, assess, build, launch, and evaluate. But it's all the same framework, all the same process, right? So DMAIC, D-M-A-I-C basically represents define, measure, analyze, improve, and control. So it looks at the five phases of a process. Um, You're working to define the problem, the improvement activity, opportunity for improvement, the goals you're looking to achieve, and ultimately meeting the customer requirements.
1: So probably important to to note that because there are other acronyms, you know, or, that kind of fall into this same way of looking at a process. You mentioned, you know, the PDCA, the the ABLE. The the concept in itself is 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 um, what we're really trying to get our listeners to understand here. What we would encourage listeners to do is it define what what acronym makes the most sense for your organization, is it is it plan do check act is it is it demaic you know what what are the what's the terminology that makes the most sense for your organization your people to fully embrace the concept.
0: Absolutely, one hundred percent. Right. So if you can if you can utilize the language that they're most familiar with, you're already a step ahead. But it's basically the same process. We have a problem. We need to figure out what it looks like now, what we want it to look like, and what we want the result to be. And, and it's a cycle. So I think that's the, the common, commonality between the acronyms, right? Cycle, mm-hmm. PDCA cycle, DMAIC cycle. It's just something that's continuously working. So continuous improvement.
1: Always continuous improvement. I think is a we just I did a I did a podcast um that was released last week with uh Kevin Nolan talking about problems, change and continuous improvement. And that's just a kind of a constant in this world when they're that's uh, get comfortable with the phrase continuous improvement. I
0: agree. I I agree. So I think we we do this every day, whether in our personal lives or our professional lives, unconsciously, right? We're yep. we're always dealing with issues and problems and we're we're doing this. DMAIC is a form of doing it in a structured way, a team format, right? So it's a structure change management cycle that has an emphasis on measurement and analysis, right? So there, there is a qualitative aspect and a quantitative aspect that goes into this process that everybody on our teams can relate to.
1: And structure is important because it helps to take the chaos out of our minds, um, which Jim and I were just talking about before we started recording. There's so much chaos that happens internally with all the things that we're thinking. Think about the computer tabs that are open on your laptop. How many, how many tabs are open up on your laptop? Um, maybe some of you are really clean in your in your tab organization. I unfortunately am not. <laughs> Most of us aren't. But when you think about that being an example of what's going on in your head, things are spinning constantly. So let's put structure into helping to you know work through these processes and get people involved because people can't read what's going on in your head. They can't define what you're thinking. So let's let's put some structure behind it. So let's start with defining, in, in DMAIC's terms, um, each particular area of the process, starting with number one, the D, define.
0: Yeah, so we 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 know we have a problem, right? Whether it's internal customers or external, um, we need to define what that problem is, right? And what activities are going on? Um, what what is the path for improvement? Um, outline your project goals, and what does the customer require? So we were talking about a charter. Basically, you're you're outlining a project project charter where you're utilizing the voice of the customer, right? That's telling mm-hmm. you, you have a problem. And that's the, the first part is organizing exactly what we're looking to achieve and what we're facing.
1: For those of our listeners who, who are existing clients of Nolan Consulting Group, they'll probably be familiar with this um, in a, in the the big rock charter concept. Um, we do big rock charters internally here. so breaking down a big rock, which is a defined problem that you're going to focus on. you know what are the what's the scope of the commitment? who's involved on the team? what's the timeline for um, for process improvement? what's the resource commitment? Those are all parts of defining that the project charter. Um, so again thinking about it in your own worlds, taking this concept and applying it to how you look at problems, um, we're just trying to make a connection here
0: yeah, and and, and make is related to an existing process, right? So if we're looking to start something new, that would that's something different, right? Because okay. if we're starting a new process, we're not getting, we're not receiving input or feedback that we got something going on wrong. So it's really when you're you're looking to improve something that's existing already.
1: Okay. Right? Okay. So let's move from define into the M, which is the measure component.
0: Yeah, so this is probably one of the most important aspects of it. So process performance. Um, the main component there is measuring. How do we know that we are out of bounds or hitting the bumpers in the, in the, in the lane um, mm-hmm. and we got to reel it back in? So you, we, you can do a couple of things. You do process mapping uh, where you, you document our process. Um, we may have a process where the capability just doesn't exist within the framework that we have, right? So, you know, if the goal is to paint um, 10,000 square feet a day, does does our process and our system allow that, right? Do we have the resources? Do we have the materials and the flow? Um, but it's really about, a popular part of it is a uh, Pareto chart, right? So like they're kind of fun to do where it it, it kind of lists the different categories of defects or variation right um and it makes it very visual for someone to tackle this portion
1: i feel like visual tools can really help um, people undersee or see problems or see where things aren't matching up to what the expectations are. Sometimes the the concept of talking about it just in numbers and isn't this doesn't hit home for a lot of people. So, kind of understanding how your teams best understand um, and can diet and can un- and can um, fully interpret. I think the problem is is important, whether are they are they visual learners or are they um theoretical learners. So I feel like that that plays into it. I know it's a little bit off the kind of the bounds of what we are seeking about, but I think that visual component's important.
0: no, you're right on, Molly. I, so every project I run, I at the end, and actually I have a note here, at the end of this process, the goal is to make it visual, okay. So, like it's one thing to kind of keep track of data in a spreadsheet or something like that. But if if it's just productivity, right? Um, getting people dispatched on time, you gotta you gotta quantify that and make it visual, right? So think about everything that we 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 get attracted to something visual. I often tell like I'm working with a client now that is um doing a great job making progress. And I'm like, you gotta make it visual, right? And I told him think about like the St. Jude collection thermometer. Where they yeah. they just simply highlight. I'm like something as simple as that keeps the momentum and the energy going, and I think that's where the visual support comes in.
1: Absolutely. So, a question about this measure component: when you're creating um, the the measurement tool for that process performance, are you creating it how you ideally want it to look? Because you've already identified there is a problem or are you mapping out the current situation and then comparing it to the uh, the ideal situation
0: yeah exactly so you you, i'll use the term baseline you're creating a baseline so like uh we're getting complaints because we are we are um we're missing appointments right and then you you know before it gets to the attention of a key stakeholder, you probably got like 10 missed appointments
1: mm-hmm.
0: before it got to that person. And he's like, wow, that's, that's a big problem. So you have a baseline of 10 there, right? So like, that's what you do. You create your baseline. So you have something to go back. When you make improvements, you have something to go back and compare to. Got and it. You get your progress going. So it's on both ends of the scale, right? So it's the baseline data compared to what we're implementing and measuring the progress moving forward.
1: Got it. So you want to identify what is the baseline measurement that is going to help show that you have made improvement or things have gotten worse. Right. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for clarifying that for me. Okay. Let's move into um, the the A, which you have as analyze.
0: Yeah. So analyze is probably the, for me, it's probably the funnest part. (laughs) So it's where you're getting that baseline data Um, and you're, you're you're working with your team and you're looking at different things that are happening and you're really just analyzing the situation. Right. So like it could be an extremely complex problem or it could be simple, but the goal is to zero in on one factor of variation that could be driving the problem. Right. So like often, like when you work on fixing something, it's just one thing that's making it go askew, right? Like a, a person wasn't informed that this is our process or a piece of equipment's not being maintained correctly and it's creating a, a, a problem. So you, you just want to dial it back and analyze the data to kind of get to where you think the problem is. And often, once you get there, it leads to another one and another one. And you know you could have a handful that you're working to fix or through this process, you say, we can improve this as well. Right. Um, So things start to come into the mix uh, that kind of all play together.
1: So would tools that you can utilize in this Analyze component be things like job costing or job autopsies, where you're really looking deep at jobs in particular, maybe even putting a couple jobs, lining them up next to each other that are similar in nature, and why did they each turn out so differently and really kind of diving in specifically on those details?
0: Yeah, relative to the tools that we use with our clients, job costing is probably number one. I, I mean, as a coach, I feel like that's probably one of the most important tools you can utilize when it comes to addressing a productivity or quality issue. Um, ton of data in that job mm-hmm. benchmark and as you start to collect it.
1: So takeaway number one, folks, if you're not job costing, please put it on your radar because it's gonna help you with continuous improvement all the time
0: it's it's going to push you to do it right so like that's the best part about that benchmarking tool and the job cost and process is that you're not intentionally looking for anything it's just Mm -hmm. going to pop out at you if you use that tool effectively so like the tool is wonderful it's got visuals it it, it breaks it down there's so many levels from um, crew leaders down to a particular estimator or you know the different components of the flow of a job mm-hmm. that really helps you zero in. But it's a tool that if you're using it, the problems are going to arise to the surface for you.
1: So it's actually you know making the time to use it to yes. to input the data, um, which we often know that when things get busy, those types of like fall last follow-ups to the job being job costing can get often delayed or postponed or pushed aside for other more immediate issues, but recognize the importance of job costing for being able to push through future problems and that continuous improvement. Right. Okay. Let's move on to the I, which is improve.
0: So improve. So at this point you define your problem, you measured some baseline data, you analyze that data. And now the next step is to take action. So what are we going to do to address the problem? So usually uh, you're working with a group, right? So like a Kaizen event example is a good way to handle this, right? So it's where you you develop a project charter and you have an organized group and you got stakeholders from every part of the operation. So you have, for example, for painting, you'd have the estimator, you'd have the someone representing the administrative part you'd have a uh, uh, materials person and then you'd have representation from the field so they would all work together so if we maybe we had a a challenge in from the time the estimate gets submitted to when it actually gets to production it's a three-day delay four day delay right mm-hmm. which impacts our ability to plan um, they all play a role in that they all work together and they all, have synergies that help develop an improvement plan. So their work is to say, all right, we have a, we have a delay in the work getting from an estimator to uh, our planner. Um, what can we do about that, right? So you could do a lot of things. You could do technology, right? iPads being dispatched at a field, estimate goes right away, right, to the workflow. Um, but they work together and develop an improvement, right? And then, you know, you go, once you, once you establish a, the step that you, you're looking to improve and the, what you're doing to do it, you default back to measure. So then you got to measure the impact right, right there. So this process could be quick or it could take you a few weeks depending on the complexity and, and how frequently you get feedback and data.
1: That was actually going to be my next question. What's the typical timeline for working through, you know, the DMAIC process? Um, And again, it probably, it's relatable to what um, the actual problem is that you're working on and how many people are involved. Because I can imagine this improved component, yes, extremely important to have those voices um, from different departments, the stakeholders who have involvement. In, in the piece that you're trying to you know to improve, but I can also imagine that that comes with different opinions and different perspectives and it, it, I, the improved component could probably a li- be a little complex in trying to come to a solution
0: yeah, yeah so it it depends on the work. Uh, mm-hmm. so I've been a part of a demand project that ran nine months in oh, wow. food man- in food manufacturing, right? That's a long time um, but in other service, projects and manufacturing you know the kaizen event is a popular tool right so that's where you schedule three to four days on site you pull those people out of the operation for those three to four days and they go through this process and you allocate like day one we're we're defining the problem um, and then we're observing and we're measuring and then you just work through this process and then by the end of day four you usually got a new process outlined implement it, right? because the goal is to implement it as well. and then you know this next week next two weeks you're pulling data in and kind of measuring how we're doing
1: for a, a large problem or a high risk problem, a Kaizen event seems like the the best way to attack something like this because it's focused time. it's not um like often you know when we're all trying to work on something, it can go a little bit longer than it should because the the needs to do of each day often get in the way um and so to put some focused time like a planning meeting to put a planning retreat on that that allows your team to just focusing on planning for the new year but to focus on just putting time for a kaizen event um which i know you feel pretty strongly about and we're gonna dive into that in, an, in our next episode really identifying kind of the process of the kaizen event um that seems to make just more sense at, as opposed to a longer, drawn out process.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, I, I'm always careful. It, this isn't just an operations thing either. It's it, you can think administratively too, right? So, like, uh, sense of urgency, we got a big problem. Uh, the term we hear a lot war on winter.
1: Mm, yes, right.
0: Some people call it a strategy, meaning, but you can use this to find structure and come up with a new process that could help bridge the gap of getting leads, getting work, or what to do with our resources, right? Um, I've We've used this process in uh, this, along with the Kaizen process in opening a new plant where it was just a big think tank for four or five days that covered every aspect of opening a new plant in a new area. Um, so it, it applies to basically all portions mm-hmm. of business.
1: So you're then you're kind of moving between that improved measure, improved measure for a, a period of time before you then move into the final component of it, which is control, because uh, you're not going to move into control until you feel like you've hit a, you've hit the measurement that you want to sustain. I assume.
0: Yeah. So you did all this work, mm-hmm. right? Could be a week, could be two weeks, could be three months. You used resources, members of your team, right? That allocated time, hours that could have been spent doing something else. Um, controlling it is probably, is extremely important, right? So it happens where companies go through this process or don't bring a consultant in, pay $20,000 to run a Kaizen event. And oh. a month later, it all falls away, right? So as an executive, a... A business owner, you want the control plan that goes along with that. So how are we going to make sure this stays in place, right? So obviously, measuring it is a big part. Uh, auditing. So let's audit our new process to make sure it's happening.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so I've done that before in airport services where we built routes in the airports, but we didn't you know it's you, they're walking through this huge footprint. How do you know they're they're following it? You got to audit, make sure they're doing it, Um, making it visual. So like you often hear the term five S do we have visual management tools that help keep our process, our new process running the way it should. Um, You know, and the goal is to make it mistake proof, right? So that's all, they are all components of a control plan, but hold yourself accountable by landing on a metric that will certainly make sure that, you're delivering on what you worked on.
1: I would imagine this is the hardest part of the process, because so often we think we have one thing fixed, and we n- immediately move on to the next. And like you said, there's examples of organizations bringing in consultants and paying a lot of money to do this Kaizen event, and then a month or two later. The, the this the problem is back again because no one was responsible there was no no plan in place to continue anchoring it in you know bringing it home um making sure that it's constantly being evaluated how how do you see you know certain businesses I mean I know you mentioned a couple things having a someone who's responsible having the 5s mistake mistake proofing it but um how often are we are we talking about it how much are we still communicating about um The kind of that the measurements that is the improvement still in place. Are we talking about it monthly? Are we talking about it quarterly?
0: Depending on on the the process, I I it's a metric, right? Yeah. So like uh, you often hear lead-in and lagging indicators. Anything monthly for me is lagging, right? So I like leading. Uh, I I can't. I come from the world of metrics. It's it, it's definitely a weekly thing for me, regardless of what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, If it's really important and I can get information, I will look at it data. I mean, daily, but you, you gotta, you gotta give some time for things to happen and some time for people to react accordingly. So when, when you're, you know, as a leader, if you're pressuring it, you know, hard every day, you, you may be creating some additional problems there. So like, Making it a part of your weekly meeting with whatever part of your team that it owns it and the owner, you just make it a part of our KPI scorecard um, and a part of the business scorecard.
1: And would show it, you know, being able to explain the why, um, because I generally, you know, so you have this this team of people who helped to work through the, work through the problem, put the plan in place, um, is focusing on the control behaviors, but then often there's other people on the team, especially in a greater organization that ultimately are a part of the impact or, or the effect of that, um, that practice being improved. So that I would imagine being able to communicate often and effectively saying it over and over again, the why, why are doing this? This is why we're changing the workflow has got to be a big part of it. Oh,
0: absolutely. Um, I like, so my, my clients often hear me say, I always ask them like, how does your, how does your team know that they are doing good? Right. So how, when they go home at night, how do they know they did a good job? Right so like if you're not if you're not measuring stuff and you're not making it visual, right? so like I a lot of clients I, I have a couple of clients now where i'm re, I was real big on whiteboards in my career, right mm-hmm. but now it's like TVs you buy it you buy a TV for like a hundred bucks, put it up in their their check-in room or wherever they dispatch or come back, and you, you just make a PowerPoint of the results and so that, that's communication daily, um, but I think the big part is for all the auxiliary support that plays a role in the main metric, right? Because a team owns it or, or a person owns it, but there's a lot of support there. Oh, you yeah. have to celebrate. Mm. celebrate the wins, right? Um, we often focus on the negative, but you know I, I talk a lot about quarterly themes. Right. Uh, I often, I, I I tell a lot of clients about what Kevin just did with Nolan Payton in that final quarter with AWOs. Yes. Additional work orders. I'm like, that's a theme. You got the team rallied around getting additional work orders, you're measuring it. And they had, they had a plan for like how to celebrate it, how to recognize people that did really well. So I, I think that's a huge part of it
1: a really great idea. Quarterly themes yeah. that get that get people motivated, involved, and then celebrated. Because you're right, we do not celebrate the wins um, nearly as often as we highlight or call out um, or discuss the loss, the losses. You know, the negative components of the business.
0: No, absolutely. So, like some of the conversations I'm having with clients now is like, all right. So the first part of year in all type of this work, because you, you and I were just talking digging out of holidays and kind of getting back to normal. Um, Just spend a ton of money on Christmas. So you're not really doing home improvements. So like I talk to clients like, all right, so how do we, 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 you know, make a theme out of it with your team about how to improve leads or, you know, anything that, you know, if you can get a jump start in the first quarter and it just makes the rest of the year that much easier because you know, the work's coming down the line. Right. Right. Survival, survival, you know, and that's the whole world wonder thing as well.
1: Survival mode. Yeah. So to make it in itself, we said it's a, it's a process like the plan do check act Um, when, but it's, but it sounds it's intensive, especially if you do a a Kaizen event of sort. Um, And there's a variety of different levels of problems and processes that need improvement, that might not necessarily be a candidate for the demake process. Um but when are they? What are what are the problems that we're going that we are going to say, yes, this this deserves attention for focused time from several players on our team and we're going to set that aside. What kind of problems are these?
0: Yeah, so it it could be uh efficiency. Right. So um the the one word efficiency is like you don't a lot of small business owners don't see it until they see their P&Ls and they're like, wow, labor was really up and mm-hmm. revenue was down. Right. So that's a big one. Right. So like that's I, I push that on everybody. I'm like efficiencies, number one. If you're not measuring that, you're going to be surprised every month at the end of the month. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: Which also just highlights the importance of looking at your P and L on a regular basis, so that you are seeing there's issues with efficiency. Because if you're not looking at your numbers, and we run into this problem a lot, um, and especially in, in working with new clients that they don't, they are not regularly looking at it. One, okay, let's change the behavior so that that becomes part of your 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 practice going forward. But there's a there's a why to looking at your numbers and finding and identifying problems like efficiency is, is one of them.
0: Sure. Sure. It's um, it, it, it's I, the workbook, the financial workbook where mm-hmm. we compare current month to previous month and look at year to date compared to last year as well. I mean, that, that just smacks you in the face yeah. right? when you, when you use it. So, you know, part of it's using the right tools, right? You can print it out of QuickBooks and, it's not going to tell you a story. So you, you got to kind of do the analysis part or, you know, use your workbook to really help you see that gap.
1: Yeah. And if, if under, if, if analysis of a PL and l is not your, your strength, that's okay. Find, um, the people who can help you do that. That's why we exist here at Only consulting group, because it's our job to help business owners understand the numbers, create the story from the numbers, um, so, so find the resources to help you interpret those numbers more effectively.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, another aspect of efficiency, just think of like setup, right? Every job has a setup. So like, are we delayed or, or, or is equipment, tools, and materials not on site properly? Uh, is someone that's a, a, a painter too, sitting there prepping brush, brushes and stirring paint? not the right resource to be doing that, right? So right. I always, when it comes to efficiency, well, I always go back to flow, mm-hmm. right? Keep everything moving as much as you can and minimize the stops. Um,
1: and another- efficiency is is complex and it's, it's the risks are high because it impacts the bottom line at the end of the day. So important to note that the types of problems that we would want to practice that to make through would be those types of more complex issues
0: uh qualities and other aspect where uh just uh if you're getting calls at the end of the job or your your report card from the client customer afterwards just isn't favorable or you get a bad google review it's like all right what what are we doing there it could be someone using the wrong paint right wrong type of paint on the mm-hmm. wrong part of the home right uh so what happened there that could be a quick fix, right? That's just organization in the process to make sure the right materials are in the right spot. Could be a training issue, right? Back to an associate. So like mm-hmm. it, it just opens up all these avenues to identify what may be going wrong.
1: It could be a larger vendor issue. It could be that things are that you're ordering are not being what's um being supplied to you, but you don't really know that until you dive into it.
0: Absolutely. I, I think most of the time when it's a larger vendor issue, it's the end user that's discovering it. Yes. That we have a big problem here. Yeah, absolutely.
1: um And then any other any other good examples that we might identify?
0: Yeah. So I, I um, excavate and po- comes into mind conversations I have with the excavating company. So in that work, it's sequential steps, right, mm-hmm. by different people that build on top of each other, right? So, and that's also in the painting world too, but uh, really anything. So a guy, a team shows up, they are, they're, they're running pipes underground. Is the excavating done? Was it done to spec? Did they move off spec? And then these guys, these crews are just staying around waiting. Right. Um, same thing that applies to the general contracting world too. It's, it's the se- sequential parts of your project align and write to keep the flow going, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's so many moving parts and one holdup or one uh, delay impacts many other parts and the flow is interrupted for a lot longer than you would
0: hope Yeah. And at that point, it's like I always say labors, dollars out the door, right? You Mm -hmm. never get that back. And then any delay is ultimately impacting your customer, right? Whether it's getting your house painted, getting a home built, uh, a a project manager, setting up a site for construction. Um, a lot of problems.
1: Customer satisfaction is very, very important at the end of the day.
0: Yeah. And to that point, I, I highlight often the voice of the customer. It, and I, I think for the most part, like all our clients do a great job of that. They're very sensitive to what their customers are saying and oh yeah, you know, hesitant to raise prices and stuff like that. But that is the the key component, but it's also internal customers as well. Listen to your team, you know, it's not, they, they, they provide as much feedback as a, a paying customer does. And I would encourage people to, um, build that into their staff meetings maybe. So like I often used to sit around with my management group and I'd say, all right, what type of customer feedback do you have? They would tell me, right. And then I would say, all right, what type of, associate feedback that you have right rolling up things that their team are saying so we can make sure we're keeping an eye on that as well
1: i love that but i think it's important in order to do that your your team is aware that they they have the trust that it's okay for them to give feedback about the process right i mean it goes back to culture and establishing trust and recognizing you know the voices of the people on your team um Everything that we do here is interconnected. I mean, this is, a, this is a pure example. You cannot get feedback from your team if you've not established trust um, that, that they can say something to you about the process that might need improvement and you as a an, as an business owner or operations supervisor or an estimator are not going to take it personally. You're going to take that as um, feedback for a potential process improvement.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, everything we talk about is culture. It is. And it is all tied together.
1: It very much is. So fact-
0: I would say that the, a hard stop on all that is they have to feel like they can, exactly to your point, yeah. share feedback. Just imagine everything you're missing that people are afraid. To, so true. To provide some feedback. Yeah.
1: Yeah. All right, Jim. So Demag, define, measure, analyze, improve, and control. We got that. Got that in the bank. Um, so we've got a couple more uh, episodes in, in this series, which is exciting. Um, so the next one that we're going to come out with in a couple of weeks is going to focus more sp- specifically on the Kaizen event um, and what that looks like for someone to actually, whether it's a consultant that comes in and helps to run it or it's a, a just an internal team that runs it, what the actual process looks like. Um, and then in our, our final two episodes, we'll highlight a couple of tools um, within, again, the lean thinking that um, we would encourage folks to utilize. Jim, you said to me that there's lots of tools out there, um, so we could go on for forever with this. And I think that in the future, we'll definitely look to bring in more of those tools as we you know highlight topical um, pieces of content that are important to discuss. But you're going to kind of highlight the, the most popular tools that are utilized within the process.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So like my goal with this, this lean journey is to, I'll go back to the lens. If you, if you can train your people to look through this lens and know the tools and the resources available to them, it will change your business. So like, it, it's not something you do want. It's, it's something that's got to keep going culture. Uh, but these, these tools will certainly help.
1: Maybe people should buy sunglasses and put on like lean on the sides, like to physically say, Okay, we're gonna look at this problem. Put on your lean lens. Like physically put on those sunglasses or put on the put on those blue light sunglasses or glasses and let's look at it from that different perspective. I think that's actually pretty brilliant.
0: I like it. I like it. We got to put a patent on that
1: we do we do
0: um
1: jim thanks so much for your time um today as always listeners if you have questions or follow-up ideas um or you know want to connect with jim on this lean lens um please reach out you can connect with us at info at nolancg.com jim until next time thank you
0: oh molly always fun thank you
1: You you're quite welcome thanks for listening to this episode Out of the Hourglass is recorded and produced by the team at Nolan Consulting Group, a nationwide business coaching and consulting firm with coaches located throughout the country. Have a question, comment, or idea for future episodes? We'd love to hear from you. Visit our website, www.nolancg.com.